Today, the church ends her liturgical year with the celebration of Jesus Christ, King of the universe. And I think Jesus is king is not something we often think about. You know, we're 21st century Americans, which means we're generally small r Republicans, as in we live in a republic and we support Republican form of government. And so we don't think a lot about Jesus as king, unless you're Kanye West. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's actually telling and prophetic that for Kanye in his recent sort of conversion, that how is it that he's, he's thought about Jesus, probably in a way that he hasn't before? Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Why is that? Come back to that in a bit, but I, you know, we just know it. I mean, this, it's been a big sort of cultural phenomenon, um, Kanye's conversion, which has been ongoing uh, for a while, but which began after a... Uh, psychiatric hospitalization for psychosis and bipolar disorder. And it was out of the sort of depths of that experience that something new was happening in his life. But before we come back to, to Kanye, I want to uh, talk about what does it mean that Jesus is king? Like, what does that mean for our lives? Trump is still president, whether you like it or not. Until Congress has its way. But uh, he's still president. So what does it mean that Jesus is king? What does that matter in a practical sense? And in a way, I think it makes, I think it makes a world of difference to see Jesus as, as king. There has been a lot of talk recently in our culture about mental health crisis, increasing rates of depression, anxiety, suicide, um, and there's the general sense that things are not well. We are, we are not good. We are not at peace with ourselves. Something is very wrong here. And a lot of times people talk about the need to find more meaning in their lives. They realize there's an absence and it needs to be filled in some way. And I think there's something true to that. Um, a lot of self-help books have been sold on this theme. Um, Two, which I both love and hate, are The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Flip. Flip is not in the title. Um, it's another word, kind of like that. Four letters, begins with F. Uh, and the sequel to it, um, Everything is Flipped, by Mark Manson. And uh, I came across these, these books that my cousin had the, the first one. I started reading them. I'm like, oh, this guy's really interesting. He has some, some really interesting insights. So I, I got the audiobooks and I listened to them. And there's a lot, I think, of really sort of good practical insight in these books, which in large part focus on like facing reality as it is. I think that's a theme that runs throughout them. But there is also in them, I think, a, a real poison that I found. And it's very subtle. Uh, it's very subtle. And I think when it ends up hitting people very uh, sort of deadly. And this idea that you sort of find expressed in these two books is the idea that we can give meaning to our lives. We are the ones who give them meaning. And we can give them any meaning we want. And, he, you know, uh, Manson says that, you know, part of the meaning of, of writing these books 
you know, and why they're worthwhile is because they're going to help other people get out of bed in the morning. And, and that makes them meaningful and worthwhile for him. Again, that's, that's, not, a bad, that's not a bad thing. And he notes the fact that, that religious believers, people of faith who, who live by their faith, that this seems to help them, that they seem to have lower rates of you know, depression, anxiety, suicide, and all this sort of thing. And so he notes that. And, um, but he says that, well, there are things that give meaning, but you don't have to have sort of this religious idea of meaning. You can pick anything. You know, anything, anything will do. And I think in that idea, the idea that we can give any meaning we want to to our lives is the seed of self-destruction. Why is that? Well, let's talk about what does it mean to mean something? When's the last time you thought about that? We need more meaning in our lives. What does that mean? So let us consider first the humble stop sign, which is the red octagon with four streaks of white on it. And it means something. You know, it means, first of all, that when your moving vehicle comes to this place, it needs to stop moving. And part of the implication, part of the, the second layer of meaning is you need to stop moving here because it's dangerous if you just keep going through at any speed you want. Okay? And a third layer of meaning is that if you don't actually do this, we have men with guns who will come and take your money, and you will be in big trouble, and your insurance rates will go up. All right? So it means all of these things. All right. But, but the stop sign did not fall from heaven. We gave it meaning. We chose as a society, as people, at part of international conventions, uh, gave that, that red octagon and those four white streaks meaning that you have to stop here. So we can, we can give meaning to things. That's, that's part of the reality that we notice. You know? And we do that individually as well. You think about gifts that you give. You know, you're, even as a, a little kid, you, know, you draw the three-legged purple cow and you give it to mom and you say, here, mommy, and it means I love you. And that's what the three-legged three purple cow means. It means I love you. And so our gestures, even at a very young age, can mean things. And we know that they mean things. And so we can give meaning to the stuff in life, you know. And the reason that we're able to do that is because we have free will. And so we, unlike animals, you know, when a, when a, when a beaver builds a dam, it, it, it doesn't like sort of mean anything beyond the fact that I'm going to live here now and my family too, and, and we need shelter. It does, it's nothing sort of grand uh, beyond that. But we have free will and we can make meaning. So why can't we give, or why ought we not try to give meaning to our lives? And I think it goes back to the recognition and the acceptance of reality. We can give meaning to the picture of the three-legged cow because we made the three-legged cow. We can give meaning to stop signs because we make stop signs. We can give meaning to a smile, to a gesture, to a gift, to a work of art, you know, to a household chore, to an essay. Because we make all of those things. But when we decide that we are going to give meaning and purpose to our whole life, 
the implication is that we are the ones who are in charge. And no one else has already tried to assign a meaning to our lives. If we get to decide whatever our lives mean, it means that no one else has decided that they already mean something. And so that's why Manson's proposition is so deadly. Because to believe that you can make life mean anything means life doesn't mean anything inherently. And that's a really sad, that's a sad idea. It's also false, thank God, but it's sad. It's sad to go through life thinking that. That my life doesn't have any purpose except what I give it. And of course, when you die, the purpose ends. And that's it. And that's why Christ the King, acknowledging Christ the King is so important, that he is the one creator of the universe and who governs all things by his almighty power. Because when that's the reality that we have to deal with, it means that life has meaning. Even the things out of our control have meaning. Suffering can have meaning. Real joy can have meaning. It's not just this passing feeling that we get to have until we, you know, hop in the grave. So Christ the King, the idea of Christ the King, is an acknowledgement of the fact that we are not in charge and that we do not give ultimate meaning to things. But the beauty of it is that in being united to Christ by faith and hope and love with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the things that we actually do make, from stop signs to three-legged cows to whatever, can also have real and lasting value. Because the, pre the people who make those things are not just temporary beings, but eternal ones. And their motiv motivations are not simply passing, but immortal. That's what love is. And so this, this idea that Christ is seen has real practical value. You know? And when, it was the in, when a feast was instituted in the 19th century, it was precisely to remind individual Christians and also governments that ultimately it is God who's in charge. Whatever form of government we have, Republican, Democratic, monarchical, whatever, that Christ is still in charge. And it's made, and, and the belief that Christ is king has made a radical impact in the history of the world. You know, you look at the value of the poor. You know, the Roman, the Roman government wanted to make sure the poor had bread and circuses. Keep them entertained so they don't riot and kill the emperor. You know? But there wasn't the, the sense that the poor are actually valuable, that these are, that these are beings worth loving. That wasn't there. That value was invented by Christ the king. You know, you think about... The disabled, who again in, in the Roman world, in Jesus' context, were, you know, disabled children were simply left on literally the town dung pile um, to die of exposure. That was what their value was thought to be, you know. That too is, is a current issue in our world. Just this past week in Pennsylvania, the legislature passed a bill um, outlawing abortion of Down syndrome children, which was promptly vetoed by the governor. What's that say about the value of, of those lives? But no one here is a senator, congressman, president, king. So what does this mean for our own lives? To have meaning, to allow our lives to, to have meaning. You know, just to, to give sort of a, a different context or different spin to I think some of the moral issues that pop up frequently in college, you know, you think of something like drunkenness. 
Um, and yes, you know, public drunkenness against the law, drinking underage, it's against the law. But, but when you think of it in terms of what does it mean in terms of Christ the king, what is it that, king, that Christ has decreed? He's decreed that our bodies should be ruled by our minds and that our minds should be perfected by faith and that that faith is perfected by the gifts of knowledge and counsel and understanding and wisdom. And those things allow the choices made by our minds to participate in his goodness. And drunkenness severs, in a way, temporarily the basic connection between the reason and the rest of the human person. And so, in a way, it's, it's, it's a, it might just seem you know, like a little thing, but it's, it's a way of rejecting the order of creation established by Christ who is king. Another sort of way, you think of casual sexual encounters, either you know, the hookup culture or pornography, I think is two examples, are, are excellent ways of emptying of meaning and purpose the gift of human sexuality. That you take things which are able to give new life, that we can be co-creators with God, and through these things, the hookups, pornography, by intention and design are, are, are meaningless, that they don't lead anywhere. And yet there's still these sort of intense feelings that, that they produce. And so it's an excellent way of, of emptying that kind of joy and pleasure of a deeper sort of meaning, a deeper kind of gift of self to another human being. And that has real implications. There's a study I came across by almost a dozen researchers at, at uh, 12 universities around the United States uh, did a survey of 3,900 college students uh, and what they found was this very close correlation between um, participating in a hookup and depression. And interestingly there was no difference in the result for men or women. Same across the board. And so these things have an impact on, on our lives. And so back to Kanye, who's decided to name his latest album, Jesus is King. Jesus is King. You know, and Kanye himself, someone who um, battled sex addiction, pornography, um, a lot of narcissism there, and yet in his own way, I think is, is beginning to make a serious change to his life. Like that's the thing. The music, I think, would be largely meaningless if he weren't actually trying to change things. Things like talking to his father more, who he had a, a bad relationship with, you know? Things like not indulging in, in these sexual uh, temptations, um, in making music that glorifies God. And I think there's, there's a lesson there in, in Kanye's own conversion and, and the importance of Christ the King. That if he's king, if Jesus is king, then he gets to decide what's right and wrong and good and evil. And if he is king, then our lives have meaning because they are a result of his love. And he has chosen to give them a purpose and a power. And we're not just the result of the clash of evolutionary forces. And so everything we experience then can have meaning because it's part of the plan of someone who loves us, who watches over us at all times. And it's the plan of someone who is coming to judge the living and the dead and the world by fire. 
Let us pray that when that day comes, we may hear the the words of Jesus to the good thief. Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise.